mi gente, welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. This is your host, Natalie Sofia, and this community was born from the need to create a space for Peruvian immigrants to come together, to support each other, to learn from each other, and to document our stories. The stories our guests share with us are deeply personal and paint a new portrait of what it means to be a Peruvian immigrant. I hope you receive these stories with an open heart and an open mind. So let's get started. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. All right, welcome Priscilla to Peruvians of USA. Thank you for joining me in this conversation today where we will be discussing uh, pivoting to a new career. Uh, many of us are quiet quitting <laughs> or, <laughs> or <Love> not. <laughs> so um, yeah, I wanted to bring you in to introduce you to the community of Peruvians of USA and share your expertise with them. So please introduce yourself to the audience. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very uh, honored to be here with your audience um, as a peruana. Like, this is great. Um, and so, yeah, I'll introduce myself. So uh, my name is Priscilla Esquivel Weninger. Weninger is my Peruvian name, believe it or not. Uh, my dad is from Iquitos, and a lot of us have uh, European last names um, because colonization <laughs> was a thing. Um, and so, and then now I'm Bolcha, so I, I'm married now. So I have a lot of last names, but uh, really? Priscilla, <laughs> yeah, I know. I have to, I have to pare it down somehow at some point. Um, but I'm based out of Austin, Texas. Um, I am a full-time management consultant, um, which means I help. Uh, organizations with some of their biggest uh, challenges when it comes to their people. Um, so human capital consulting is what I do full time. But then part time, I work as a career coach, and I help people uh, transition into brand new careers. And just give us a brief interest to why you started career coaching. Because I mean, ma a management consultant, <laughs> that's already a whole career. <laughs> that's very demanding. So yeah, it is. So I think because before I got my MBA and before I moved into consulting, I had a, a eight year career in the nonprofit world. Um, so I worked in schools. I was a high school teacher. I was then a talent recruiter for school districts. So my work was around finding the best teachers for students. Um, and then I became a human capital leader working on talent strategies for school districts. Um, and so that whole time, I, I got a lot of like personal reward from the work that I was doing. I felt very tied to the mission of the work that I did. And I felt like I was helping kids. Many of them were like black and brown kids, um, children of immigrants. And so when I moved into the private sector, some of that was lost. And I no longer was like working one-on-one -on -one with people as a teacher, for example. Um, and so I wanted to still have an impact on people's lives and help them. And so one-on-one -on -one career coaching felt like an opportunity where I could use a lot of the expertise that I built over the years um, as a talent recruiter and even in business school. In business school, you learn a lot about how to position yourself in the market, how to transition careers. And so I, I figured it was a really great mix of my expertise, but also a way to help people and um, pay it forward. Yeah, I think that's so fantastic that 
uh, you're using the skills that you gain in previous like professional lives and even in business school because um, so to give the audience a little bit of context, how you and I met, we met through a mutual friend. We both went to business school, different business schools, but around the same time, I think we graduated around the same time, but went through similar experience in terms of like, they teach you very well how to identify what industry you want to go to, how to position yourself the best way to be a, a top candidate. And um, yeah, so I think this is this fantastic because not everybody has the resources to go to business school and have access to exactly. that knowledge, right? So, all right, so let's get started. Big question first is, as I mentioned in the introduction, some of us are quiet quitting and then there was a whole resignation because of COVID, people were changing their, or were more attuned to their values. Some of their companies were not, you know, uh, in align with their values, but now the economy has changed, right? The job market is changing. And is it even a good time to think about pivoting now with the economy, with the market changing? There have been some layoffs recently meta aka facebook so they were like not they were doing i think hiring freezes and you know so what are your like thoughts uh, around that yeah it's a good question so you know recessions are cyclical they're ten they're 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 going to happen at some point the last one was in 2008 you know when i graduated college and you know that was stressful coming out of college and not having a lot of skills and here we are 12 years later you know seeing the same the same effect you know in different ways and it hasn't been confirmed yet but you know it, it's it feels like companies are definitely tightening up the the you know the purse strings and not um, hiring as much. Uh, hiring seems to be slowing, especially especially with the t in the tech industry. I've definitely seen that, and the big name companies, you know, your Google, your Meta, like you were saying, are definitely slowing down, and um, you know they're they're kind of nervous about what's next or being cautious, I'd say. And so, if you are targeting tech roles and you're targeting these big name companies. Um, it's not that it's impossible to make that move. It's just that you might have to wait until early 2023 um, to to like for the right opportunity to come across. From what I've seen, they haven't stopped hiring. It's more that instead of six positions, maybe now there's only two or three. So it just makes it more competitive um, to get into these companies. It makes it even more important for you to have like a referral um, or be networking with people at these companies if you're targeting that. Um, but I do want to say like at the same time, there is still, there are still companies that are hiring and there are still industries and roles that are somewhat recession proof. Um, and some people, especially I would say a lot of immigrants, like we tend to almost go towards the recession proof roles. Like we always are going to need nurses. We're always going to need accountants. You know, there's like certain roles that we're just always going to need. And if you're someone who's a little risk averse, like you might be targeting recession proof roles or industry industries that are a little bit more recession proof. So yeah, I'll stop there, but that's kind of like my over, over uh, like how I'm thinking about, about the recession. Yeah, yeah. I like the point that you made that, yeah, tech might be being more cautious about hiring, but to your point, there are other industries that are successful. So the the a recession, which we're not calling it that yet, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't target every industry the same way or every company the same way. So I think that's a good point. And that's a point that I want to highlight for the audience, because 
you hear the news and the news is always doom and gloom and that's what they want to they want to scare you but there are to your point there are companies hiring out there all right so now that we know there are companies hiring out there some of us don't even know where to go let's say we're we hate our job, but where do I go? You feel lonely. <laughs> These are the only skills I have. And, and you pivoted quite a few times, it seems, in your career. So how did you how did you choose or how did you choose where to pivot to next? And what would your advice be to someone who's like, all right, I know I don't want to stay in this company or this industry or this function, this role, but I don't know where to go to. So they 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 fear taking that leap. Yeah. And then that's a very common fear. I think the way that I think about it is like if you were to get into a car and you knew you had to drive somewhere, but you didn't know what address to put in the GPS, like you, you just aren't going to get to your location or intended destination. And so I always tell my clients that I work with, let's let's like not even get in the car yet. Let's first figure out like what, where do you want to go next? And make sure that that's a decision that is like aligned with your non-negotiables. Like what is the most important thing to you in your next career move? And then also some self-reflection on what's working, what's not working. And so for career non-negotiables, these are like your ultimate requirements for your next job. Um, it's almost like when you're buying a house or something, like there's a list of 30 things that you want out of your house. Like there's a lot of nice to have type things like, oh, I want a renovated bathroom or, you know, whatever, a big, huge yard. But then there's always the things in the house where you're like, no, I, I absolutely need this, right? Like I need three bedrooms, for example. Um, and so you want to get clear, like, what are your requirements for your next job? What is absolutely like a non-negotiable, not up for debate thing for your next job? And so that's the first step. And so m one of them might be like your compensation. One of them might be um, compensation and benefits related. Like I want at least a 20% increase. Like I won't leave my job unless it's at least 20% because it is a lot of work to put into a job search process. And you want to get the return on your investment of time that you're spending moving into a new role. Another non-negotiable might be um, that you want to work remotely. Like as you were saying, with the with the great resignation, a lot of people are are starting to reevaluate the way that they spend their time and commuting for an hour, hour and a half twice a day is something that a lot of people especially folks with like kids, like are just not willing to do anymore, right? And so that might be one of your non-negotiables. I try to challenge people to not choose more than three because I think after three, we start to get into like want, like desire land. Mm -hmm. And like, I really try to get people to focus like what, what do you really want to change about your role? What's a requirement for you? Once you have that clear, then you can start to do some of that um, exploration work that you were saying, like, what do I want to do next? Um, and so the best thing that I would recommend would be definitely brush up your LinkedIn profile. Everyone should be using LinkedIn, um, adding your contacts, people that you've worked with, people who you went to school with, even family, friends, anyone that you know, just build up that network. Um, try to hit 500. That's usually the number of contacts where you start to see second degree connections, third degree connections. 
And then honestly, just have life interviews. That's what I like to call them. Like ask people to chat with you for 20 to 30 minutes and just ask them like, what is your day-to-day job like? What does a project manager in healthcare do? Like, can you tell me what that looks like? Um, And like have as many of these conversations as you can because only a human being can really tell you the truth of what it's like to wake up in the morning and do that job. Like whatever you see on a website, it's never going to be what it actually, like there's reality. And then there's like what people say a job is. Right. And I love the life interview. Also, I think I've heard it as informational interviews. And one thing I've noticed from the Peruvian community, actually, and particularly from the international students that I met who were Peruvian, is not part of the culture to bother someone <laughs> to ask them questions about their <laughs> career, right? It, it does feel like an imposition on someone else. And so I guess just to highlight to the audience this is a very, it's very normal in the U.S. and in, in corporate America to have informational interviews, to have live interviews. So do not hesitate to reach out and ask those questions. There is a right way to do it, of course. Can you give us a little bit of how to do it for those in the audience who might be like, well, do I just like email them, <laughs> just talk them, just message them? Like if they are not in the habit of, of, of already setting up those interviews, right? Yeah, absolutely. You set me up pretty well because I'll I'll quickly plug my podcast. So my podcast is the Early Career Moves podcast. Um, and even though I have the word early career, it really does apply to anybody changing careers, um, no matter your age or where you are in your career. So um, episode 64, 65, 66 for my um, podcast is all devoted to everything related to informational interviews like how to how to identify someone to reach out to them, how to reach out to them, what to say, how to run the call, everything. Um, but, you know, my, my short, like, you know, what I tell people is basically you want to find somebody who's in the function that you're interested in. So, like, if you're interested in HR, try to find someone in HR. Don't reach out to someone in finance or legal because they're not going to be able to help you as much as someone in the function that you're looking to learn about. Um, And it's a really quick email or not email. It's a really quick LinkedIn message. Just, hey, um, I, I noticed that we're both in this group together. I would love to learn more about your experiences. Would you be willing to chat with me? for 20 to 30 minutes, um, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Thank you. Bye. And I mentioned like the the thing in common, the more, lo- the more that you can find people that you have something in common with, the more likely they are to respond to you and say yes. So when people reach out to me and they're like, hey, we went to the same college or hey, um, I know your friend or, hey, um, you know, I also did Teach for America, which is the teaching program that I did. Um, that's when I'm like, OK, I got to I got to talk to this person. You know, I'm more willing to help them versus a complete stranger on the Internet. All right. So we set up this life life interviews with someone that it's in the function we're interested in. Maybe we learned that that's not really the function we want to do based on those interviews. And so let's say we have identified. So would you then say you recommend identifying the function over the industry if you're interested in pivoting or because I, I've heard right from some friends too, I just want to go to tech and I don't care what role I have in tech and because tech is the hot industry, right? 
Yeah. Is that, would that be something you recommend or you recommend really focusing on the function? Yeah, that's a good question. So it it depends, kind of goes back to your career non-negotiables again. So let's say one of your career non-negotiables is like highest possible compensation. Like you're like, I just want to get paid. Like, I don't even care. Like I'm, I want to make a move. I need to get paid. If that's your number one of your top priorities, then you probably need to look at industries where pay is is like very competitive or it's very it's on the high end right and so that's where i would i would say maybe um like the nonprofit sector is just not going to be a place where you're going to maximize your earnings that's where i might recommend like let's look at let's look at tech or even healthcare healthcare tends to pay pretty well so so if that's that's kind of what i mean by why the career non-negotiables are are almost like your starting point um, or let's say, let's say one of your pain points is like, I hate what I do every day. It is boring. Um, I, it's tedious. Like it doesn't excite me. And, and I do work with people who come to me and that's their biggest pain point. They're just like, honestly, I don't even care about the industry. It's just what I'm doing every day is slowly killing my soul. <laughs> and so if that's you, then like the, the role, the type of role has to be your priority, um, to figure out what that is. And you do that, maybe you're industry agnostic and you're like, industry doesn't matter. It's more about, I want to know what a project manager does. I want to know what a program manager is, all of that. So we have identified, you know, either industry or function, a role that we want to go into. Now what? Matt, how do, how do we even land that interview? How do we proceed next? Yeah. So after you kind of realize, okay, I know what I want. I know what I'm targeting in terms of like industry, function, role, company, you know, your non-negotiables. Now it's kind of like time for a makeover is kind of what I tell people. So it's kind of like, uh, have you ever watched like um, those shows where people get makeovers and like their wardrobe changes and their hair changes? I think I call it personal branding. So it's like the personal branding stage. And this is also a lot of reflection. It's basically like, what are the strengths that you bring to the table? What are your top skills that you bring to the table? Um, let's get really clear on what that is and build your confidence before you go out there and start applying to jobs. And before you start talking to recruiters or before you start interviewing, like you have to know, you know, what are your strengths? What are your superpowers? And what are your proudest accomplishments? And so this is where you get to like brag a little bit about yourself, which in the Latino community is very difficult for us. We're like, no, 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 no. I have that wasn't me. That was our we gotta be humble. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be humble. And so that's where you kind of have to you have to realize you're competing with a lot of people that don't care about being humble <laughs> and they're going to get the bag before you do because they're willing to just like, you know, peacock, peacock a little bit. Right. And when I've talked to people who have a hard time with like the humility piece, I try to encourage them, like, instead of thinking of it as like, I'm so great. These are all the things that I've done. Instead, frame it as this is how I can help you. I have done this before in this way. These are my skills. And this is how I can provide value to you and your company. And that of service feeling feels more empowering and more authentic, I think, to like a lot of us Latinas, Latinos, just like feeling like it's more in line with our values. 
as opposed to just being like, oh, yeah, I'm just like so great and, and you know, kind of like being bra- braggadocious or something. Um, so during that phase, you know, it's brushing up your LinkedIn, brushing up your resume, um, try to write down like if someone were to ask you, tell me about yourself or what are your strengths, like getting that elevator pitch together to sound natural for you and for, for you to start to feel comfortable talking about yourself in a positive way. I resonate with the whole humility thing because it is hard and we're so, we're such a, like, I'm not sure if communal is the right word. Like we're, we're all about family and community. And so when one of us wins, we're all winning and it was because everybody could take, but when you're doing the interview, one of the advices we heard in business school, I don't know if you can resonate with this is don't say we as much, but more like, this is what I contributed to the team. Yeah. So you have to learn how to speak more in like the one person. So Like using the word I a lot. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, All right. And so what will get us that interview? That's really your, I mean, many jobs have multiple interviews, right? But that first interview, some of us are sending resumes, applying and never hearing back. So what will, what are some of the key things that could improve our chances of landing that first interview? Yeah. So 50% approximately of jobs are filled through a referral. And so referrals are basically um, employee referrals. So someone who's already employed at that company, they are passing your name along. They are passing along your resume directly to the hiring manager who is hiring for a role. Sometimes it's very informal, like just emailing over a resume to someone. Or sometimes it's like a more formal process of just submitting your name to to some kind of online system. And so... The reason why this happens is companies would rather use their current talent and leverage their networks to find other amazing people that are probably a good fit for their company. So it's a way to cut down the time spent trying to find candidates. Um, And hiring managers are busy. They're busy people. Like the last thing that they want to do is go through like, the 150 resumes that were submitted online, right? So they don't have time for that. And so they're like, what's the fastest way to get a, a, a really great candidate? Let's look at the referrals, right? Or if someone that they trust on their team is saying, hey, you know, I actually like, I know, um, I know Natalie, she's awesome. Here's her resume and she's looking for a job. That is like the equivalent. I always think of it as like when you go to a club and there's a long line outside the club, like it's cutting the line. You're basically cutting the line. And so are you going to submitting a job online, like an application online is like going to the very end of the line. And it's like a line that's going on forever. And you're probably never going to make it to the front of the line. You're probably not going to make it to the club door before the night ends, right? And so that's why I tell people spend the majority of your time doing the informational chats that we were just talking about, trying to get people to want to help you. So you're not necessarily asking for a referral, but you're building a relationship with someone 
and they uh, are be become an advocate for you. And they're like, hmm, how can I help her? How can I help him? And it organically can can create new opportunities for you. So I tell people to spend the most of their time activating their network, reaching out to people, letting them know that they're searching. A big part of this is like just telling people that you're looking for a job. And I think that in the community, there could be a little bit of shame to say I'm looking for a job or I'm looking to pivot. And and it's just all part of networking, right? And there's also, there could be a negative connotation to networking. It feels disingenuous. It feels like I'm just trying to get something from someone, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be that way. Uh, don't let networking be a dirty word. It, it's a way that currently we function in this society and, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. And then we do it within our community too. So it's not like we never network, right? So there's reasons yeah. why some people are closer to us than others. It's, you know, so like that's, that's, there's a reason why we call deals and deals to people that are not our deals and deals. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right. I think that um, just one really quick yeah. thing is I think um, networking is something that you, like you said, we already do very naturally and we just call it like community or like community building. And so- just because you're asking someone for help, it's not a sign of weakness. And like, you're likely going to pay it forward to this person or someone else in the community in the same way, right? So yeah, I think reframing that is really important. I love that. Like networking, just think about it as community building. So some of the questions that were submitted were, so I'll share them with you and we can sort of, it doesn't have to be rapid fire, but they are all kind of all over the place, but all related to career, pivoting in your career. The first one is, what, I guess, the best time during the year to think about pivoting or think about recruiting and the worst, I guess, if there's such a pattern? Yeah. So I think um, the November, December time period is typically in the U.S., right? We have Thanksgiving break, which is almost like a, a dead a dead week for sure. <laughs> and then in December, of course, we have like a, around two weeks that are kind of dead. And it's just not a time that people want to hire someone new or onboard someone new to their team. They typically wait until January. Even if they hire someone in November, I have seen people, they're, that's just onboard them the first week of January. Like that's very common. Um, and so it's not every time, but that's generally the trend that we see. So in general, I would say if you are wanting to change careers, um, first of all, the average job search does take five to six months. So it's not like an overnight thing. It's not a, it's very rare that I see people change jobs within a month. And if they are changing jobs that quickly, it's because they're keeping the same role um, the same function and, and usually the same industry. And it, it's just a company switch. So that's a, a much faster, that's a much faster pivot that you can make is really just the company, for example. Um, and if you're keeping the same role, but if you're changing industry and you're changing role, you're changing several things, that's going to take five to six months on average of intense, you know, networking, you know, going on interviews, applying to jobs. Um, so if you are, you know, I think the winter, the winter time is actually a great time to start that process. Um, do that career exploration, uh, that reflection. The winter time is a great way to do that because by the springtime, by the summertime, you'll be um, re more than ready uh, to be able to be in the market and, and take advantage of the opportunities that are coming up. So don't sleep in the winter too much. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> 
I'm going to definitely start at least with those reflection questions. All right. So the next question is, do you have any tips in around negotiation for either salary or bonus benefits, et cetera? Yeah, I think the big thing with with salary negotiation and in general is one is like a mental piece, which is we have to uh, overcome the fear of being told no or being told um, or just like being seen as someone who's like asking for too much. That is a huge, another kind of like a my mental obstacle that I think Latinos face as well. It's like this, this, this belief that we should just be happy with what we've got. Like we got it. You got a job. Like, 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 why are you asking for more? And if you are asking for more, like it's seen, like you were saying earlier, almost like as an imposition or, or potentially like greedy. And so we have to unlearn a lot of those limiting beliefs because they they limit us like physically and and uh, financially. And so I think doing some of that mental work on the front end will help you become a more empowered negotiator. And it, it'll help you see that this is just a transaction of your time, your labor, your expertise for a, a certain amount of, of money and for um, and for benefits, right? And so when you understand that this is just like being in the marketplace, it's like being at a mercado and like having like you're like literally setting up shop and understand that it's just this is just like haggling like this is just a, a negotiation it doesn't mean that you're a bad person for for doing that. And so definitely always negotiate even when it feels like there's no room or they they're telling you there's no room like uh, get comfortable with the idea of of negotiating. Don't be afraid of of being told no. Um, and do a ton of research, like use Glassdoor, use um, Levels is another website. Um, Payscale was another one that was big. Um, talk to people. Uh, Fishbowl is another one. There's a lot of uh, online resources to help you understand what is the right compensation for your years of experience, the city that you're living in, the cost of living. Um, and be willing to walk away from opportunities that are not meeting meeting you where you want to be. Just a couple of things to highlight there. I like that you framed it as an exchange because I think some of us, and I know I did this when I just graduated from college, it felt like they're doing me a favor, right? It felt like my company is like <laughs> doing me a favor by hiring me. And, and no, there's a reason why they hire me because they know I'll get the job done. I'm smart. I came from whatever a good college or, or I did well in the interview. I have potential. So they're hiring me for that potential. They're hiring me to do a job. They're not like giving me anything for free, right? So yeah. I think that's a great reframing of, of neg negotiation. I know you just gave us a couple like resources like Payscale, Glassdoor, Fishbowl, which I'll list in the episode notes. But the next question was actually related to resources. Do you have any other resources in terms of guiding the either the pivot in your career, the resume writing, the interview prep? Of course, feel free to talk about your coaching and your <laughs> podcast. And if there's any other resources that you can point our audience to. Yeah. So my favorite book that I think just like everyone should have this book, everyone should read it. It really explains how to approach the job search with, today, with today's technology, right? Because 
our current day job search is not the job search of even even 10 years ago, right? It's like a completely different job search. And so it's called the two-hour job search. Um, Steve Dalton, I believe, is the author. And it's not a very long book, but he just does such a great job of explaining just like what we're up against when we're applying to a job and how throughout the whole process that you you don't get a lot of positive affirmation during the job search process. The only positive affirmation that you get is congratulations like you or, or like thank you for submitting your application and that's it and you don't hear anything until you get invited to an interview so he talks about how we can't just try to go for that little dopamine hit of like submitting apps because submitting apps like I said doesn't get you closer to interviews necessarily and so he helps you become very strategic so that's kind of my biggest recommendation um, and, and also to be efficient with your time, because we don't all have a bunch of time to spend on this. And so he talks a lot about how to structure your time as well. Um, and then I do definitely, I, I do one-on-one -on -one career coaching, um, with people that are changing careers, but you know, I do this part-time. I don't have all of the time in the world. So there's a lot of career change podcasts that I recommend, um, Jenny Blake is the author of Pivot. That's another great book that I recommend for career changers. And she also has a podcast. Um, and then there's another podcast called Find a Job, which is very tactical. Um, it's by Max List. And so that's another amazing resource um, that I recommend. Yeah, I'll definitely include these on the notes as well. Uh, my The next question comes around the difference between already being a corporate an employee in corporate America and working in a non-traditional like job, whether it's a restaurant yeah. or a service, a service industry, is the job search or the job pivoting process different for those two different candidates? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think we're really fortunate that we're moving towards a model where a college degree isn't necessarily a requirement for a lot of even like higher paying jobs. Uh, we, there's a lot of access now to online certification programs. Um, Google has a lot of different certificates like around data analytics, um, project management, IT um, support kind of roles as well. Um, Coursera has a lot of great roles as well. So there's a that's that's a huge opportunity that also didn't exist a long time ago. And so if I were if I were looking to pivot into, into potentially corporate. And I what I had, you know, more of a non-traditional background, maybe didn't have a college degree or maybe worked in the service industry or something, then I would definitely try again to have conversations with people who have jobs in the corporate world, try to understand what it is that they do, figure out if it's if it's something that I would be interested in doing. Um, HR actually has a ton of like entry level type roles. Um, where I think that they, they're they able to like take a chance on someone who doesn't have maybe a corporate background. Um, so for example, a sourcer, somebody who helps source candidates um, and, and works with a recruiter to help them find um, candidates. Or maybe it's like an event coordinator. Um, I think a lot of those entry-level type office roles are great places to start. And then you can always move up and transition into different into different kinds of roles as well. Yeah. And just to share an anecdote, I met someone at a conference that 
he took the Salesforce certification course for, I think it was, I forget that database manager or something like that. And he did two years of community college and then he completed that course. And of course, there's a test that you have to pass from Salesforce uh, and started making like 80K, 90K right off the bat without mm-hmm. having to get to get like an undergrad degree. And his friends who went to college were like, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, yeah. a, that is the environment we live in now, right? Something that... 12 years ago, we didn't really have or as yeah. much as, as now. So definitely to the audience, take advantage of those certificates, look them up, make sure to do something that's meaningful to you as well, not just accumulating certificates to accumulate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next question was around the importance of LinkedIn. I know you highlighted the importance of LinkedIn, but it seems like in the last few years or three, it just exploded. It just became... <laughs> I don't want to call it another social media, but it's kind of like it it became more than just announcing, perhaps pivoting companies, functions. Now it's, I see more of the day-to-day that uh, folks are doing at their job. Mm -hmm. I guess any, any words of guidance in terms of like things to make sure you're always doing on LinkedIn or not doing yeah, it's, it's a good question. So yes, LinkedIn has absolutely blown up. It's you have to be there if you're someone who's looking to change careers or even looking to switch jobs or just see like what else is out there, right? And even if you're happy in your job, like it's always a good practice to be seeing like what other opportunities are out there? Where could I take my talents elsewhere and maybe get paid more money, right? Like that's something you always want to be thinking about. And so LinkedIn is a place to showcase yourself and show yourself as as like a credible, strong candidate. I would say most hiring managers, if they're interviewing someone, they're going to look you up on LinkedIn and they're also going to do a Google search. Like a lot of people get, you know, just search you on Google. So be careful with what you have on the internet and on your social media, even personal social media. And Assume, I think it's safe to assume that anyone can can Google your name and, and, and just try to make some kind of impression based off of what you have on the internet. But yeah, LinkedIn is an opportunity for you to shape shape that proactively as opposed to like waiting for someone else to make an assessment of you. Like you're able to actually say like, I am this kind of professional. These are my skills and highlight that. Um, and you're right. There is a lot of... Uh, I would say like oversharing a lot of like, you know, maybe not the most professional type things are being shared on, on LinkedIn. And I would say steer clear of living in the comment section, um, arguing with people. There's a lot of just like unproductive stuff going on there. So just honestly, just see it as like a, a professional Rolodex, a professional way to, to easily manage your con your contacts. Um, but don't, don't mistake it with like a Facebook or something. And like, cause that, cause people see everything. People see every little thing that you post or comment on there. Yeah. It's safe to assume now that like to your point, you can be easily Googled. They can find your accounts very easily. So just like be smart with what you're posting and who you're arguing with online. All right. So this, this is the last question. And this is my question because I know you do one-on-one coaching, career coaching. What is that process like? How do we get started with you? How do we, how do you know, or how do I know that we would be a good match? Like share, share that with members of the audience. 
Yeah. So typically I, I work with people in their like late mid to late twenties, early, early mid thirties is, is like my sweet, my sweet spot, I would say um, for people who are, they are ambitious about their career and they want to change careers, but don't know how to get started. Don't are overwhelmed by the process um, and would like just some structure and, and like a, a game plan to, to make it happen. Um, and so I, uh, to work with me, the first step is really just to set up a free call with me. Um, I spend a whole hour with people just um, learning as much as I can about you and then helping helping you see how working together can help you achieve your goals and then I let you know if it's the right fit for you and not everyone is the right fit for the, for the program it is a 6 month long program so if you're kind of looking for like, like a quick a quick hit here and there I'm not the best fit but there's definitely a lot of people who who specialize in like just resumes or just LinkedIn and things like that um check out Fiverr F I V E R R if you're interested in like more tailored short services um but I do more like comprehensive holistic um long-term career change um and I do that because I believe that it it this is like an intentional process and it's worth it to spend some time on the front end exploring and just getting really clear on what you want. Um, and my website is ecmpodcast.com to learn more. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Priscilla Bolcha is where you can find me. All right, Priscilla, thank you for that. And definitely check out the podcast, the Early Career Moves podcast, where you share a lot of nuggets of wisdom there. So you can sort of get a little introduction to the coaching that Priscilla does. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I really hope the audience got a lot of got a lot of information here on how to start their career, a changing process. So thank you so much, Priscilla. Thanks for having me. Just wanted to take a break here to share that Peruvians of USA now has an online store. Help us spread the message that El Mejor Amigo de un Peruano es Otro Peruano by visiting our online store. We also have feminine versions that said La Mejor Amiga de una Peruana es Otra Peruana or gender neutral versions. This could be the perfect gift for a Peruvian in your life. Visit the link on the episode notes or link in bio. All right, back to the episode. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.